series called Follow, and what we've been talking about is this Lenten season, the 40 days leading up to Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And we've been talking about uh, different stories in the Bible of where Jesus interacted with people in different ways. We talked about Nicodemus who came to Jesus and said, um, hey, we know you're of God, and Jesus said, you must be born again. And Nicodemus had to go through this whole mental shift because he was confronted with the kingdom of God. And when you're confronted with the kingdom of God, sometimes you have to think almost upside down. Uh, Like Jesus would say, you know, you've heard it said this, I say this, and you, you, you'd scratch your head. He, he, in the Sermon on the Mount, one of the greatest sermons ever in the world, well, probably it is, but um, I still have a few more to go, okay? So uh, he says, uh, blessed are the peacemakers, right, which doesn't make any sense. Blessed are those who are persecuted, which doesn't make any sense. And so when the kingdom of God comes in and, and hits us in, in our culture and in, in our kingdom, uh, we have to think di- differently. Jesus broke through some barriers when we talked about the good Samar- I mean, the, the Samaritan woman, the woman at the well. He had no business being there. He had no business talking to a woman. But when the kingdom of God comes in and comes face to face with our culture, sometimes we have to adjust the way we see things and adjust the way we look at things. And so that's what he did. He broke through those boundaries. The man born blind, they had this idea that if you were born blind, either you sinned or your parents sinned, which again doesn't make any sense to me because how can you be born blind and be like, like that's because of your sin. Like your parents' sin, I understand. But your sin, you, just, you were just born, like, you know. And, but that was their theology. And Jesus came in and said, no, 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 no. The kingdom of God, when, when the kingdom of God comes in with your culture, sometimes you're the ones that need to readjust. And that's what he was talking about. One of the ways uh, Paul writes this, is this idea of follow, this idea of discipleship, this idea of um, living your life in according with the rabbi, is he says it this way. For we are his workmanship. Like if you feel comfortable, if you're at home or whatever, just, just look at your hands. I mean, sometimes, again, I... Sometimes what's going on in my brain is a little too much, but I'll just sit there and stare at my hand, and I'll try to make like little micro movements, and it's like, what in the world? It says, you are God's workmanship. No matter what your body type is, gender, color, whatever, you're God's workmanship. Why? Created in Christ Jesus for good works. We get saved, but then we go on this process of sanctification and works and which God has prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is within us. To him, this God that we worship this morning, to him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And then Paul adds one more verse to this, Ephesians 3.22. Unless you're not feeling it on Sunday. (laughs) Unless you're not feeling it on Sunday. Unless things aren't going according to the way you had hoped and planned. So let's just go back just one second and read this. Now to him 
who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Unless you're not feeling it on Sunday, then I take back everything I said in the last seven verses and the last few chapters. Okay. I made those last two verses up. But here's what I want to talk to you. I'm just going to talk to you from my heart. It's going to be super uncomfortable. And for that, I'm going to do it anyway. But as I've looked at my own life in the past year, and as I've looked at kind of like how I've handled situations and things like that, I, I, think, I'm, I think I'm getting a little soft. Like, I think... I think the pandemic is like wearing me out and I'm, I'm not handling it. And I think I'm getting a little soft because things aren't going my way. And I was really good in the beginning. And now as it ends, I'm starting to get tired. I'm starting to get like, ah, oh man, how long is this going to go? And here's what I want to tell you guys. As your pastor, as a fellow Christian, and for those of you who are here or online or whatever, and maybe you're just dipping your foot into the pool, maybe you're an atheist and you finally got to the place where you believe that there's a God. Maybe you, you've, you've cracked open a Bible that was sitting in, in your shelf for a long time, and you're just stepping into this. I, I will be talking to you, but I'm mostly talking to those people who have called themselves Christians. And what I'm going to ask you to do is we go into these next few weeks where the pandemic begins to slow down and we either go back to normal or a new normal or whatever we do. Um, it's going to be filled with confusion, filled with questions. It'll still be politicized. It'll still be all the things it is now. It's not going to change. Our culture's not going to change. But when the culture is met by the kingdom of God, which is you and me, we have to rethink things. I wrote some stuff down this week because follow, the, the reason we call this follow is because disciples follow their rabbi. Jesus, in every instance, said, follow me to those disciples. Follow me. Which they knew was a calling to become a disciple, to lay aside your life as you had planned it, as you had known it, and to begin to walk in step with Jesus. Jesus didn't say, come be a Christian. Christian is only used three times in the Bible, and in each time, it's kind of a derogatory. It's like redneck, like, like, it's, like it's, a, it's a label, okay? An, an unfair label. Now, it means little Christ, yes, but it wasn't really used like that. The word that Jesus used and the word that everybody would use is disciple, you are becoming a disciple of Jesus. When you choose to follow, you're going to become a disciple. You say, well, what's the difference between a Christian and a disciple? And this list is going to offend you. And I just want you to know that none of these things are bad. And I hope you just get the tenor of it, okay? Because it might step on some toes. You didn't know I had this list back here, did you? You wouldn't have come. You would have stayed home. Christians speak their mind. Disciples mind their speech. We can just stop right there. No. Christians need their candidate in the White House. Disciples are focused on an entirely different kingdom. Christians are concerned with how culture will impact their family. Disciples are concerned with how their family will impact culture. 
Christians give to important causes. Disciples set aside a percentage of what God gave them to steward uh, and give it back to him. Christians invite Jesus into their day. Disciples prioritize their day around Jesus. Christians need to be fed. Disciples feed themselves and others. Christians are concerned about what Joel Olstein did this week. <laughs> Poor Joel Olstein. Joel, I know you're watching. I'm very sorry. Okay. <laughs> Disciples are concerned about what they did this week. Christians are concerned about morality. Disciples are concerned about their personal holiness. Christians want prayer in schools. Disciples pray in schools. Christians want to be right. Disciples want to get it right. Now, for those of you, I'm only going to say this once. Yes, it's important who's in the White House. There, okay, I get that. But what I'm hoping as we step in, and what we're going to do is we're, we're, we have Palm Sunday next week, and we have Easter the week after, and we're going to figure out how we do all that. And then the week after that, I'm starting a series called Seven Things I Learned in a Pandemic. And uh, it's going to be fun, and it's going to be great. But in reality, I want us to land the plane well as a church. I want us to be able to handle things well as we transition into whatever normal begins to look like. And the good news is, Jesus modeled exactly how to do it. As a disciple, we follow our rabbi, and we say, Rabbi, what do we do here, and what do we do there? And Jesus modeled it. We have the perfect example. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning, the model that Jesus gave on how to safely and um, lovingly land the plane of a pandemic in the next few weeks as we move forward into things that look a little more normal. So, Here's what's happened. If you've noticed, we're, we're, we're a little bit out of chrono, chronological order. Um, Michelle was going to preach this week, and I was going to preach next week, and uh, that got flipped. And so we're going a little bit out of order. But if you notice through follow, we've always been in the book of John, and we've started from the beginning to the end. And they've gone in chronological order. This one is not in chronological order. What has happened is Jesus has gotten to the end of his ministry. And so they're having the Passover, and so what Jesus does, it's kind of a really cool story. He tells them to go uh, and, and just talk to this dude and go, we want your room. And he's going to say yes. It was like a, like a Jedi mind trick, but with Jesus. And uh, so he, that's what happens. And they get this room, and it's prepared for the Passover. And so they all show up for the Passover, and the Passover has these very specific things that are supposed to happen. And this is the same night where we get communion from, because this is where Jesus gave communion. But it was before he gave communion, he did this. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God, and that he was returning to God. So in other words, Jesus knew who he was. Jesus had his identity nailed down. He knew who he was, and he knew where he'd come from. And most importantly, especially for a disciple of Jesus, he kn knows where he's going. He's in the perfect spot. He's modeling the perfect thing. As a disciple, I know where I came from. I came from my sin and my brokenness. As a disciple, I know who I am. I'm a child of the king. I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm subject to his kingdom and his rule and his authority. And I know where I'm going. I'm going to spend eternity with him. 
Now, with that in mind, what circumstances could come along that could possibly, think about this, rob me of my joy? And yet, I think I'm becoming soft. There have been some things over the year. Now, I'm not talking about breaking your heart. (laughs) There has been some incredible injustice and incredible great conversations that we're having that are hard conversations and need to be had. We need to have them on racial injustice and social injustice and all these different things. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the other things, the little things. And I notice, wait, am I remembering where I came from? My sin and my anxiety and all these types of things. And am I remembering who I am? That, that I know my heavenly father? I have access to a kingdom that I wouldn't normally have access to? And do I know where I'm going? I'm not going into retirement. I mean, I hope I am at some point. Well, probably not after I tell you all my problems. Then you're like, no, by tomorrow you'll be gone, actually. So this is, this is the position he's in. This is what he knows. And this is what he knows more than anything else. He is in total authority right now. He's the top dog. He has all the power, all the authority. Whatever he says goes, goes. He can get his way. Oh, wouldn't that be awesome to just know you could always get your way? That would be fantastic. Well, guess what? As we go through this pandemic and we land in these next few weeks, hopefully, prayerfully, we don't want any other strains and all that kind of stuff. Uh, As we do that, there are going to be times when we want to get our way because maybe we can. And the good news is, disciple, is that Jesus modeled exactly what you're supposed to do when you can get your way. He got up from the meal. He took off his outer clothing and he wrapped a towel around his waist. So I'm not going to take off my outer clothing, um, but I have kind of what our rendition of what he's doing is. Uh, He would have been, what he probably ended up doing his outer clothing would have been the robe that would have said I'm a rabbi I get my way that's what he took off and then he wrapped a towel around his waist I'm going to try to tie this once and if I can't I'm not going to try again okay you're like John don't you always do the dishes no Uh, but I do barbecue so that's good Ah, forget it. Okay, it's, I knew that would take time. I, you know, you got to practice some of these things. So this is what he does. So he wraps a towel around his waist, okay? So this would be kind of that towel. Now, the disciples at this point, if you, if you understand foot washing in this particular time, it's never done by a rabbi. As a matter of fact, in some Jewish circles here, it couldn't even be done by a Jewish servant. It had to be a Gentile servant. That's how low they viewed this whole thing. There's, I don't want to get into them, but there's some, there's some Jewish romance stories about, uh, about fush, foot washing and how, um, you know, the, 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 wife, the, the husband's like, don't wash my feet. And she's like, these aren't just your feet now, they're my feet. Like real beautiful language, all, all these different things. But you can get the idea of how humbling this would be. And so he, he takes... He got up from the mill, he took off his outer clothing, he wrapped a towel around his waist, and then he poured water into a bin, in a basin, and he took this towel 
Jesus, who knew where he had come from, that all authority would give, was given to him, and I don't know if this translates online, but he got down on his knees. And he went to his disciples who would have been reclining at the table. They didn't have chairs back then. So they would have just been reclining, and he would have gotten down. Jesus, the king of the world, the savior of all mankind, wraps a towel around his waist, and he gets down, he begins to wash his disciples' feet, and they freak out like you and I would, right? Guess what Jesus is modeling for us? This is it. What we deserve, what we've earned, who we are, all boils down to this. Are you willing to take off that outer robe that would give you your identity, that would give you your importance, that you would, get, would give you all the things? Are you willing to lay down your education and your socioeconomic status and all that? And are you willing to put a towel around your waist, get on your knees and wash somebody's feet? That's what he did. He dried them with the towel that he had around his waist. He just, he'd take his own towel and dry their feet. Now, just to give you some insight into myself, so we don't wash feet nowadays, right? Like that doesn't mean that much to us. As a matter of fact, from the old church that I was at, uh, when I transferred from that church uh, in business to then become a pastor, they had a foot washing ceremony. So I had to sit up on stage, take my nasty old feet, and I don't want people to, I'm like, no touchy. No touchy my feet, right? I don't, that, they weren't serving me at that point. I didn't feel that way. And so for some of you, it might be like, man, wash, wash your feet. How, like, what does that look like? It can look like anything. It could be like just listening to somebody's story. And you think they're wrong. And you just quiet up. You don't have to be right. Maybe there's somebody who's experiencing an injustice. And from your standpoint, you're like, well, what could be so bad? What could... Shh. You just... Okay, that's, that's what you're experiencing. All right. And you just wash their feet. It might be an actual thing for some, for some of you. It might be actually doing a chore for someone or being a servant or making a meal or whatever. But it involves humility. And it involves taking off that, that ability to have to be right, to have to get your way and all, all these different things. Because that's exactly what Jesus modeled. Jesus had, every, Jesus had every authority to go, no, no, guys. Tomorrow I die. You guys are washing my feet tonight. I at least deserve that. And he doesn't. Well, Simon understands this. He says, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Like, are you, are you crazy? And the, I, I believe this is in here to give us, a couple thousand years later, the idea like, oh, Wow, this is a really big deal. Guys, it's a really big deal that Jesus washed their feet, that Jesus served them. And here's what he says to Peter, which he's always saying. 
You do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. And Peter, in awesome discipleship, like great discipleship fashion and humility, says, no, (laughs) you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Unless you get this down. If you don't get this down, Peter, James, John, Sheila, whatever. If you don't get this down, you are missing a part of the kingdom. You are probably missing the most important part of the kingdom. That we are here to serve and not to be served. We are here to be able to experience what everyone else is experiencing. And yet experience it with joy and peace. We're here not to be soft. I feel like over the last year, I've been getting kind of soft. I've, I've wanted my way. And as we roll down, I have kind of been feeling it more and more. And you know the drill here. I always preach to myself, and then you guys get, get it too. So you're like, could you be easier on yourself? No, I will not, and too bad. The, then, the, then, then Lord, Peter said, not only my feet, but my hands and my head as well, which and we won't get into it, but Jesus is like, nah, man, I will just stick to the feet for right now, okay? You're good, Peter. You're good. You're clean. You're washed. It's just this foot thing you got to get down. The fact that we're here to serve each other. Now, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes he went back to normal, he returned to his place, and he says, do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. And this is the question. Do you understand what Jesus is doing here? Do you get what happens when you're a disciple of Jesus, and you get to the very end of something, and it's not going to go well or whatever, and you are still in the midst of all of that, wrapping a towel around your waist? And washing someone's feet. For some of us, washing someone's feet is letting go a hurt that they had given us. A real hurt. Jesus was washing the feet of sinners. People who were going to betray him. People who were going to deny him. His closest friends were going to deny him. Jesus knows this. He already warned him of it. And just in, we don't get into it after this. But two Two, or, or I'm sorry, the, one, the verse we just skipped, he goes, one of you is going to betray me. Okay. Jesus washed Judas's feet. You see that? Jesus washed Judas's feet. That always blows my mind. Peter, I can barely understand. But Judas... But see, Jesus knew where he had come from. He knew who he was, and he knew where he was going. Disciple, we have the exact same. We know where we've come from. We've been mired in our sin. We know the chains that we've sang about being broken. We know they've been broken. And we know where we're going. This should be easy. Well, he goes on to explain it to them. You call me teacher and Lord. These are positions of authority. These are, this is entitlement. Jesus is entitled. With the words teacher and Lord, Jesus is entitled to things. And he says, rightly so. That's exactly who I am. 
I'm teacher, I'm Lord, I'm all those. He mentioned a couple times, I'm God, I am he. Like I'm the top of the heap. He says, rightly so, that's who, that's who I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, the king of the universe, has washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. That's how we end a pandemic. And we enter into it stronger than we were, not softer than we were. This might show up with you at work. It might show up with you in your family. It might show up as things change. And every time you walk into a store and there's a new way you have to do something, you're just getting so, this is where I come in. Uh, you just start getting so annoyed, like, okay, guys, we, we actually don't, you don't need to spray down my feet, okay? It doesn't, you don't, it doesn't transmit that way, okay? But you just go, okay, so disinfect my feet, okay, good, okay, fine. That's, that may be how, those are small things. Those are tiny things. But it may come in the form of forgiveness, it may come in the form of um, letting your fears go of what the future is going to be and how we're going to be as a country and as a world. Here's what he says. I have set you an example that you should do. It doesn't get any more disciple than this. <laughs> it doesn't. If your rabbi says, Here's the example. This is what you should do it. If you don't do it, you're not a disciple of that rabbi. You would find another rabbi. Okay? There are def different, many rabbi schools. Jesus says, if you want to go to my rabbi school, if you want to be my disciple, I just set you an example. Do it. Period. And then he goes in, and, 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 and you can kind of hear the, it, the, the fervor is getting higher and higher Jesus is ramping it up and he says I will my children this is very sweet language my children I will be with you only a little longer like this is it that's like you've got to get this Peter you see I, if I if I if I can't wash you this way if I can't do this example then you have no part of me like you got to get this I'm only going to be with you a little longer you'll look for me and just as I told you and so I tell you now where I'm going you cannot come. And so then, I, I don't know. I don't know how he did it. Again, I might be reading too much into it, but if it were me, I would get down like this and I'd go, a new command I give to you. And I'd look at each single one of them in the eye. Love one another. Love one another. Love one another. That's the new command. Uh, you disagree on this? Got it. Noted. Okay, have a healthy conversation, whatever. You don't have to agree on everything. But love one another. Oh, you have a different perspective than this person? Love one another. Different family history? Love one another. Different race? Different socioeconomic? Love one another. I'm only going to be here a little longer. This is the thing I want you to get. And then he qualifies it. And it's not a good qualification if you're a disciple. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Wow, how did he love us? So sacrificially. So sacrificially. At this point, he could have said, Matthew, Matthew, remember when you were tech, uh, collecting taxes? Remember that? 
and you're ripping off all these guys around the table. Remember that? And they're all just like, yeah, I remember. Dude still owes me 50 bucks, right? Remember that? Remember when I called you while you were still in your sin, when everyone else hated you, Matthew? Remember that? I called you. Everybody, as I did to Matthew, that's how I want you guys to treat each other. Peter, remember when, uh, remember when you were acting the fool and I had to almost call you Satan? Remember that? But I didn't hold it against you and we just kind of moved on. We kind of worked through it. That's exactly how I, I want you guys to love one another. Nathaniel, remember when you said nothing can good, good can come out of Nazareth and that had just happened to be my hometown? Yeah, thanks about that. But you know what? I never brought it up again. Remember that? Remember that? Thomas. Remember when you did your Eeyore impression last chapter and you said, let's go back to Jerusalem. Did you die? You didn't die. Did I like bug you about it? No. Like he qualifies it. And as they remember, which we're going to see in 1 John, who John wrote that was sitting there right there, um, uh, we'll see that he, they all realized that his death and resurrection was the perfect model. As I have loved you, James and John, sons of thunder. You have a nickname. It's a dumb nickname. I remember when, there was a, when we had that thing on the ocean and you were scared. You were crying. We're all going to die. What kind of sons of thunder is that? I never brought that up. I just said you need more faith. But lose the sons of thunder thing. It's just not moving forward. We're not going to use that anymore. This is how Jesus loved them. Jesus brought them in to show them the kingdom in all sorts of different ways. Remember when I allowed you to be part of the feeding of the 5,000 and I kept filling your baskets with bread and with fish? Why don't you do that to each other? By this, everyone will know that you are Christians? No. My disciples, if you love one another. And then, okay, okay, this is so classic. Jesus pours out, first of all, he does an incredible thing. He washes their feet. Then he pours out his heart. I'm going to die. I just need you to get one thing down. If you just remember one thing, love each other, and I'm going to qualify it. Do it the exact same way I showed you, and I'm going to show you even more. And Peter responds this. Where are you going? Like, no, Peter. So through technology, I actually have the text exchange of this very thing between Peter and Jesus. Hey, Jesus, I didn't want to ask out loud, but where are you going? And Jesus sends back with palm to forehead emoji. <laughs> right? I'll let that sink in a little bit. Like he pours out his heart. I just find, a, I read your Bible, it's fascinating. He goes through this whole thing and he's like, where are you going? And Jesus is like, oh my goodness, right? Now, a couple things. The reason I know this is authentic, it says Jesus, okay? All right? And his battery is at 100% at 9.22 p.m. Only Jesus can pull that off. And he's got full Wi-Fi and full uh, cell. Here's what first, I'm joking, but Listen. John, who was there, wrote these words. Now, remember, this is after all of this happened. And this is after the death and burial and resurrection. This is love, John is telling the flock. And that I would tell you that you would tell me. 
Not that we love God. See, who I was, I didn't love God. Where I've come from, I didn't love God. But that he loved us, oh, now that is now my new valuation of myself. And sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Now listen to this. This is amazing. This is amazing, amazing, amazing. No one has ever seen God, right? But if we love one another, if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love, listen to this, is made complete. When we get this down, God's love is made complete in our actions. Because if I know where I came from and I know who I am and I know where I'm going, this is easy. It was easy for Jesus. And he modeled it for me. His love is made complete in us. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to end with a challenge. I call it the high five challenge. I've done it before. I did it about five years ago. The high five challenge. You're like, we're in a pandemic. We can't high five. Well, if you have a green dot, you can. Okay. Anyway. Uh, so here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to flex your muscles a little bit this week. Because again, as everything's changing and decisions are being made and some states are opening up and ours won't and whatever it is, wherever you stand on all of that stuff, however you are with people, however, all of a sudden, some of us might be going back into the office and we realize how much we hated the guy sitting next to us. And it's like, it was so nice when I could be home, right? Or, or, you know, your company's just like freaking out because they're barely making it. And so now you get to work and your manager is frantic because they're frightened to death. And you go, man, I got, okay, how, how do I get this done? So it's a high five challenge. You're going to pick five people, uh, preferably not your pastor, that you struggle with, okay? It's, it's specifically five people you struggle with, and you're going to try to figure out how you can wash their feet somehow. Figure out what you can do to bless them. For some, okay, just hear me, it might be actually snoozing them on social media. You say, how does that wash their feet? Because the only reason you go on there anyway is to Talk about how disgusted you are with them. Like, do you ever, everybody have any of those Facebook friends where like you know that what they're going to be writing is like, seriously? But you knew they were going to write that anyway. Take, remove that. Get them out of there. Don't do that to them. Don't think those thoughts about them. Maybe for some of them, it's somebody that you struggle with and you're always arguing about and your job, your foot washing is just to listen to them. Listen to what they have to say and don't say anything back. You've just washed their feet. Maybe for some of you, it's to forgive a debt. They owe you either some money or they owe you some time or they owe you and you just go, you know what? I know where I've come from. I know who I am. I know where I'm going. I'm letting that go. High five challenge. The minimum you can do is pray this prayer for them. If you're like, well, I don't know. I, haven't really, I don't really see them anymore or whatever. You just pray this prayer. One, Help me to see them as you see them. I guarantee you God sees them differently than you do. I promise. God loves them, actually. 
And so to just pray, God, help me. This is, this is like getting down your knee, on your knees and wrapping a towel around your waist and going, God, help me to see them as you see them. Help me to see them as my equal. <laughs> this is a hard one. Because guess what? You have no more value than them in the eyes of God. You guys are the same. You're equal. They just have different beliefs or different history or different worldview or whatever. But you're the same. You're the same. And then number three, bless them. Bless them. Help me to see them as you see them. Help me to see them as my equal. And bless them. Five people. That's the minimum. As the worship band comes back up. I'll, I'll keep that back up for now. And then so that if you need to take a picture of it, you can. Or maybe I will not. Okay, whatever. It should happen. Um, seriously? Technology? This is why I say Jesus preached when he did. Never had to deal with this stuff. Never. Just had people writing stuff down. John was just like, oh yeah, this is what happened. I got it. Don't worry about it. Let, uh, help me to see them as you see them. Help me to see them as my equal and bless them. So, we're going to have one more song and then I'm going to come up and uh, give us a blessing. And This is hard, folks. It's hard, especially, especially as people who live in America. We are so, we have it so easy. We have it so good. We're so entitled. We're so soft. We need to work on this muscle. And as we kind of head in to 2021 and head into these next few weeks, um, I just want to do this well. For me, for me. I'm just talking about me. I, I'm getting soft. Um, so let me pray for us. We'll end with a song, and then I'll come back up and bless us. Lord, oh, thank you so much for the model. Thank you so much for um, just loving us enough to set us free from having to be right. God, you set us free from having to get our way. Those are chains that need to be broken. And you modeled how we break them. By serving, by being humble, by understanding where we've come from, who we are and where we're going. I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would do that well. You would be proud of us in the coming weeks. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you want to stand for the blessing, you can. Now, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I pray that you would go in his strength, in his peace, in his joy, and in his humility. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week, and we'll see you next Sunday.